You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. in heaven for you today. Yeah, when we're praying, God hears our prayer. And, and uh, as he was praying, I, I just sense faith uh, that there's some pain either online or in the room, uh, physical pain in your body that God wants to heal today, take away. You don't have to live with pain. Jesus died on the cross to heal us and to remove pain. Uh, somebody who has pain, just put your hand wherever you're feeling pain. I feel like it might be somebody, uh, a shoulder, left shoulder. I don't want to, again, we never want to specify to the point that if it's in your right, if it's in your right, get a healing in your right. But I feel like just for faith purposes, somebody might be struggling with a left shoulder arm uh, pain injury that God wants to heal right now. Uh, but if you're here in the room and you sense pain, you're feeling pain in your body, would you just put your hand there? Father, we thank you you for healing pain right now, removing pain. Lord, uh, migraine, headaches, headaches, stress headaches in the back of the neck right now being touched and healed. Just someone's living with that, thinking this is mine to carry. But today, in the name of Jesus, we just pray and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and uh, headaches are not supposed to be in the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I am. And so, Lord, we just say no to chronic pain, no to sickness right now, and we say yes to healing. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Uh, Just wanted to do that. God's doing some things because he's the miracle worker, way maker. Sing about it. Let's practice it as well. Amen? All right. First service, you're doing great. So great to see you. What an amazing week last week as we celebrated new birth, uh, both spiritually and naturally. Uh, We had in both services water baptisms with some great stories. I just want to say congratulations to all the water baptism participants and congratulations to all the families celebrating children being born uh, into into your life. This morning I'm going to talk to you about what's in your house. We're doing a series, uh, what's in your hand, what's in your house, what's in your heart. And this series is really to get us ready for the new year, uh, which is fast approaching, whether uh, you want it to or not. It's on its way. I don't know about you, but I'm really ready to uh, say adios to 2021 and hello 2022 uh, and uh, all of the great things in store for us in 2022. Uh, And so we have some adjustments to, as we get ready for our January calendar, uh, some adjustments to our calendar for our Christmas time. We will have a uh, in-room Christmas service to services here on uh, the 19th of um, December. Um, I think that there it is. That slide's coming up for you. And if you're online, you're getting that information right now. We just want you to note this. So in the room, uh, both services, uh, if you could register for us because uh, we do think there's going to be a, a, a seating problem. This is not our normal Christmas production. And we didn't do a Christmas production this year for a number of reasons, Uh, but one of them uh, really is we feel like we're supposed to really just stop for a moment uh, and enjoy and, and realize 
Harvest as a family, the family of God here at Harvest. And so we're going to take some time to do that. The service is going to reflect that, and it is going to be absolutely phenomenal, awesome. And I just tell you the difference because often we'll come with an expectation, and some of your neighbors are coming. We're already getting phone calls. You know, are you guys getting ready to do what you always do? And we said, we're going to do it. It'll just be a little bit different. We feel God taking us a little bit of a different direction. The two Sundays following that will not be in the room. They will be online. There'll be an online experience for you on Boxing Day, and then again the day after New Year's, and we'll gather that way online. There are some good things that have come out of COVID that we actually are cool with putting it on and realizing that sometimes it's great to take a break from being in the room, and we're just going to bless our team as well. Because when we come in, God's speaking some things, and God's doing some things for 2022 that we want to be ready for and hit the ground running. All right, so this is, uh, this is part two of our series, What's in your hand, in your house, in your heart. We're looking at what's in your, uh, in your house today. But let me just remind you the, uh, the teaching that we did of what's in your hand. And Moses was asked the question, and it was his rod. And God was really uh, causing Moses and causing us to reflect for a moment about our lives, our story. You have a story that's brought you this far. And God is a redemptive God. God uses all of our life. Just read the Bible. Read the characters in the Bible. Most of them are characters just like us. <laughs> characters. We don't get it right. Uh, we often get it, uh, we don't always get it right. We often get it wrong. And yet God uses us. He uses our story. He uses um, our lives. And that happens when we transfer, and it's not my life, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we transfer the ownership of our life when we put our life into God's hands. And, and that's a for real thing. That's not just a on Sunday thing. That's God wants us to place and trust him with our life. And so Moses transitioned, and from then on, it wasn't Moses' staff. What's in your hand? My staff. No. From then on, he cast it down. It became a serpent. He saw what it was out of God's hands. He picked his life back up and began to obey what his life was to look like in God's hands, and it now became the rod of God the very rod that brought deliverance, the very rod that brought miracles, the very rod that brought refreshing. And when our life is surrendered into God's hands, our abilities, our gifts, our story becomes instruments for others to be set free, others to be refreshed, others to win the battles that they're fighting as we come alongside and pray for them just like we did today. So today, I want you to ponder the question. You'll see it in the scripture. What's in your house. Jesus, I just pray now as we look to the word, we've already quoted so many scriptures, already looked at so many ideas that your word contains, but now would you just allow us to know that your word is for us, everything in, contained in the pages, every word is for us today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your life in us today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said so two stories in the Old Testament kind of set this up a little bit, and they're both found in the book of Kings. There's a first Kings and a second Kings in the Old Testament, books by that name. 
two prophets. One is Elijah and the second Elisha, just to confuse us and uh, mix it up. I don't know if you mix up their names. I certainly do all of the time. I got to double check. I double checked this morning. Elijah in 1 Kings, Elisha in 2 Kings. And they are a part of similar stories that are going to show us some principles today about what's in our house, getting practical about putting our life into the hands of God. How do we do that practically? What does that mean? So Elijah is living in a time of famine beyond food crisis when there is no rain, there are no crops, and then there's a kind of a ripple effect that happens in these agricultural cultures. Uh, They don't have the capacity to stockpile food, and so there is no food. Say no food. Yeah, that's not good. No food. No food to eat and no food to, uh, to share, uh, and they're really in a starvation kind of a, uh, they're heading in that direction as a, as a uh, settlement. So Eli- Elijah walks up to this widow woman's house, and she's out with her son in the front yard, and uh, she's busy. He sees her collecting some sticks, um, assumingly to build a fire uh, inside her little, in her little home. There would have been a, a little stove she could have cooked on. And she's gathering up some sticks to do that. And uh, she asks him, excuse me, he asks her for some food. That's the context. Let's look at the scriptures. As surely her response, as the Lord lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks today to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, which literally would have been a little bit of oil, a little flour. It just it would have been a bun. She was going to make kind of a small loaf of bread. I'm going to make that. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. <laughs> Boy, that seems like that she's she's just that's a lot of positive attitude right there. And yet, it's the reality of what she's living in. It's the reality of her moment. This is the last bit. She's used up everything in her house. She's run out of everything. She's going to take that last little bit, be faithful with it, cook that final meal, that last meal. Say last. It's important to what I want to share with you today. Last meal. And then she said, we're done. There is nothing else. There's nothing else to share. There's nothing else to go next door and borrow from. I'm all out of what's in my house. What's in your house this morning? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said, except the dying part. Don't do the dying part, but go and make that final loaf of bread, your last piece of bread. But first, but first, say first. It's a really important principle. I'm asking you the question, and to us, as we're getting ready for the new year, it's often a great time to kind of reprioritize. Um, I don't know how you do it in your life, but I, I slip. I get a little sloppy. I get out of discipline. I, I just need to be adjusted. It's like my car. I just I need to get that front end aligned uh, once in a while. You hit a few uh, potholes, and you know you, you, you need some maintenance, and we need maintenance spiritually. And that's what I'm talking to you about, this question, uh, what is in your hand, talking about our life and our story, placing it into God's hand, what's in your house. But first... First, first, make a small loaf of bread for me. From what you have, remember, she's got nothing. From what you have, bring it to me. And then make something for yourself 
and for your son. At first glance, this prophet looks a little narcissistic because he's saying, I'm hungry, you're hungry, but somehow I'm better than you are, so why don't you just go get your last piece of bread and bring it to me, and I'll eat it, and then we'll see what happens. No, I want you to understand that's not what's going on at all. Because what we have to see is happening in the scriptures this morning, what I want to challenge you to see is he wasn't asking her for her last piece of bread. He was asking for the first piece of bread, and there's a difference. The difference is when you prioritize what's in your house, when you prioritize what you have, and you prioritize the first to God, there will be a second, there will be a third, there will be a fourth. The prophet wasn't asking for what she had left over. He wasn't asking for what was last. He was causing her to step out in faith and believe that God had a plan for her life that wasn't going to end with her dying that day. He would, she would die another day of a good old age, but she wasn't going to die of, of starvation because the Bible says that he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who supplies. And so he said, I want you to give me first that piece of bread. Now at that moment, she had a decision to make because is it my first or is it my last? If she had eaten it, it would have been the last. But if she, at that moment, sensed what God was saying to her and prioritized and says, I'm going to give the first to God. And when we give the first to God, there's a second and a third and a fourth. God does a miracle because our obedience opens up the miracle. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So when the circumstance is over, the circumstance is eating all your resources up, when that's over, the jar won't have a supernatural supply, your flour bin, it won't supernaturally continue to fill. What the promise was, every time you go in and scoop up some flour, it won't be the last. Because you gave the first to God, it won't be the last. There'll still be flour. There'll still be oil. Now watch, I know some of you think I'm gonna start talking about money today. And I just want you to take a deep breath because I'm not gonna talk about money today. I'm not talking about what's in your house in terms of money. Watch where I'm going. I think you'll see the application. It's gonna fit really well. As surely as the Lord lives. She says, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm gonna die. He says, no, as surely as the Lord lives, you're gonna live. Give the first to God. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Whether she did it because she said, I've got nothing to lose. What's one meal? What's a little bit of flour? I'll do this. Whether she did it that way or whether faith was stirring in her heart strong, we really don't know, and it really doesn't matter. Her obedience did something in the heavenlies. She went away and did what Elijah told her to do, and there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. The jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I love that story. You like that story? I want you to be able to kind of own that story today. That story teaches us, give what we have first to God, priority. Say priority. It's a priority first. Story number two. We're gonna jump now to Elisha. And Elisha meets a newly widowed woman. Uh, he, uh, the husband actually was a student of Elijah, 
and attended his school, the prophets, and he had, he had passed away, but passed away before being able to take care of all of his estate. And so there were many bills, and she's left holding the credit, uh, the credit cards and the bills and the things that had yet to be paid off, and she doesn't know what to do. And so she comes to the prophet Elijah and says, what am I supposed to do? And um, there's nothing that I can do. And Elijah says, well, here's what you're going to do. And we're going to read it in 2 Kings 4.2. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? How can I help you? And wherever you put the emphasis, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? All the above. And he's asking her that question because this is a situation that there isn't an answer for. What do you have in your house? Do you have any resources? Do you have anything we can work with? Do you have anything at your disposal? Is there anything? See, even though Elijah didn't know about the New Testament, we do, about a little boy who had some fish and some loaves, and there were 5,000 people, and Jesus told his disciples, you need to feed them, and they said to Jesus, I don't, you must be a little bit crazy today, Jesus, because there's not enough money between us all. There's not enough resources between us all. We've run out of resource. I'm gonna tell you this morning what we're all running out of, we're all running out of a resource. We're all running short of a resource. But God wants to talk to us about prioritizing our lives so that we have lots of it. But I'm just talking to you about what's in your house. What do you have? That was the question. A little boy had a lunch. I got a lunch. And Jesus multiplied it. And Elijah's about to teach this little woman the same principle is teaching us a principle this morning. It's one that you need to know. If you already know it, then revitalize it in your life today. Your servant has nothing at all, she said. Well, wait a minute, except a small, a small jar of oil. She didn't even have flour. <laughs> she's worse off than the first widow. She doesn't even have flour. All she's got is some oil. Elijah said, no problem. Here's what I want you to do. And he told her how to be very intentional, very intentional about what she had in the house. Be very intentional about what you have in the house. He told her how to pour out that resource, the little bit that she had. It felt like there was just nothing. I haven't got anything. I've run out. Say run out. I got a little oil. He said, if you'll be intentional, about how you pour that oil out. And if you know the story, it's not applicable to what I want to share with you today, but the story went on that go get some empty vessels. And uh, it actually can apply. It talks about uh, um, empty vessels and filling up empty vessels. It's really a picture of we take our little and God will use our lives to fill up others so that they will know the power and the love of God, that we'll never run out, we'll never run dry if we're faithful and intentional about what God has given us, even if it's a little bit. Say little bit. Yeah, we're running out. So, so she has, we have two widows, and the principle to the two widows, and this, we're gonna look at both sides of the coin. We need to understand both. What's in your house? The principle is, Give your first to God. Be intentional about what's left over. You following me? We're going to give our first, and then we're going to be very intentional about what's left over. Here we go. I'm not talking about money. What am I talking about? Some of you are so smart, you kind of know where I'm going. What's in your house? 
So last time we talked about putting our lives into God's hands, and I want to be practical about how you can put your life so that your life becomes the rod of God. It's in God's hands. I want to talk to you very uh, uh, this morning very practically about a resource that we all have, a resource that we would all say we don't have enough of, a resource that we'd all say we're running out of, and that's our resource of time, our resource of time. We all have 24 hours in a day, but it always seems like uh, ours is less than somebody else's. And if you know somebody that's really productive, uh, it kind of probably bugs you the way it bugs me. How do they get so much done? It's because they've given the first and they're intentional with what they have left. This will be a challenge to some today, and I, I think that's good because when I learned this, uh, and I've learned it over the years, and uh, uh, it is just renewed. Every time I give it, I, I step back in and go, okay, God, I need to follow the first principle. I need to be intentional with my time. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Better to have one handful with quietness. That's another word for peace. How many like peace? (laughs) Peace is good, isn't it? Peace and quiet is good. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, this kind of proverb in Ecclesiastes has to do with that many of us in life are trying very hard to grab two handfuls of life. Two handfuls of life. Two handfuls of life. We say, Pastor, I've got two hands. I might as well grab as much as I can. Here's the problem. Wisdom says that it is better, say better. You're tracking with me this morning. I love it. Better to live life with margins intentionality, and God blesses that, I can live and, and, and have one handful, but if I'm going to pursue living without margins, trying to grab as much life as I possibly can with two handfuls, it's going to cause me to have hard work that causes me just to chase the wind. And can I tell you, you will never catch the wind. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, that many of us get caught up with the more, caught up with having to do more, caught up with trying to grab too much life, uh, and, and, and just living in this way where there aren't margins, there's not quietness, there's not peace, and we're trying to figure out how to have me time, we time, family time, kid time, and especially if you do like family sports and, and being at arenas and all those things, and that's not wrong, it's not bad, but if you're chasing the wind today when it comes to your time and you're hearing me online this morning or hearing me in the room, we can all kind of, I feel like I'm chasing the wind. Pastor, what do I do about that? Take a step back and realize that the Bible is very clear. One handful, not two. We need margins built in and time margins uh, built in uh, to our lives. How do we do that? Number one, I'm going to give you a couple points this morning. Schedule your priorities. Schedule your priorities. Make your priorities your priority. And in your schedule, put into your schedule those things. I'm going to talk to you about what's first today. Give God your first. When I was in university, um, I found out that there were people, and you've met them, and maybe you are one of these, uh, that can just academically, academic success just seems to come natural to you and easily to you. And I hate you. And I hate that 
um, that that is the case with you because it's not the case with me. Uh, I had to work so hard and, uh, and just to have, and I wanted academic success because I wanted, uh, I had plans and, and, and just direction uh, in terms of my degree and what I wanted to do. And so I gave it all I had right from the very beginning just to maintain the marks that I needed to get into the programs that I was headed for. And uh, I remember in my first year coming up, uh, you know, just before Christmas time, a little bit earlier in November, kind of in the November season, and, uh, and, and I just, I was like two handfuls. I, I was trying to keep up with my academics um, and trying to keep up with everything else that I was trying to do as a student, and there just wasn't enough time. I was running out of time. There were deadlines uh, for my assignments because they just do that to you in university. All your assignments are due. Uh, your exams you have to study for. And, and I just, I felt backed against the wall. So what I began to do, uh, which I never did up to that point, is I didn't attend uh, services on Sunday. Um, in fact, I didn't do anything on Sunday except I hit the books. And that just, that was week one and kind of week two, week three, week four, week five. And, uh, and I just was finding, hey, I've, I found some more time. I found some more time. And uh, I don't know how that is with you, but I always find that's very temporary when you find more of something because you'll just run out of it the same way and feel like you're chasing the wind. But in that period of time, it seemed to be working for me and uh, and. Back in, back in this time, we didn't just go uh, to one service. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you went to uh, a time in church before the main service. We called it Sunday school, uh, which was kind of like a small group, if you were familiar with our small groups. And then we went to, we went to our, our service, and then we went home and had a nap and came back and did another service that night because somehow we didn't get it right in the first one. I think that's what we thought. And so we just came back and tried to get it right the second time. And, and there was just a, the Sunday really out of, out of cultural, kind of a cultural understanding where I grew up in church, uh, the whole day, the whole day we gave, we gave to God. And I, I, I think that we can be practical in giving our first to God without giving a whole day, but be giving the first of our day as we gather like we're doing today. So I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that. And a young adult that I hung out with spoke to me about it, noticed I was missing, and said, what? Really, like, in a tone, what are you doing? Like, don't judge me. No, I want to know, what are you doing? And I'm, like, well, I'm not backslidden. I mean, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know, I gave that line. Uh, and uh, no, that's not the point. Something happens when you give your first in terms of time and you prioritize, put it in your schedule, that on Sunday at this time, nothing else gets scheduled. That's my time to be with the Lord and be with God's people. And I fudged on that one. And, I, and I'm like, I, I'm getting stuff done. I'm getting stuff done. Well, then with kindness and love, they looked me in the eye and said, I want to challenge you. I said, okay, if you will pray about this, just listen to what God says. And this challenge actually changed my life in many ways. Why don't you pray, see what God says about it, put God back first, and watch what happens with your academic life. And so, instead of two handfuls, I prayed about it. I did. I heard the Lord. I started that next semester. Uh, went through the whole semester, uh, giving the first to God in terms of the first of my week. 
and I'm going to be practical about some other firsts that you can prioritize your time with. And I put that down. I said, nothing else is going to bump that out of the way. That's my first. I'm giving that to God. And I did it. And not only did my grades go up, like when I say significantly, significantly for me, not only did my grades go up, I began to breathe. I began to live a little more stress-free. In fact, when my pastor came to me and said, would you do a small group for junior hires? And I said, yes, I've got time to serve as well. And I'm going to give my time to some junior hires. And if you've ever worked with junior hires, they are the weirdest bunch of people in the whole world. And uh, I had a group of junior high boys and girls mixed. The girls are also mature. The boys are still playing with G.I. Joes under the table like I didn't see it. But something happened in that year that I gave and I, I served junior high boys. And God began to convince me of the call that was on my life to go into full-time ministry. And I wouldn't be standing here today if I hadn't said to somebody, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to now have time left over. I'm living with margins. God's blessing my time and my life. It's better to live with one handful than it is to two. Learn how to live with margins. Give God the first. We're going to talk in a minute about being intentional with the rest. But my life changed, and I want you to have that as well. We're all, all feeling like we're running out of time. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. So think of yourself in a Western movie, and there is no signage except for a broken sign that's pointing who knows where. You've come to a wide spot in the road. You can go straight. You can go back. You can turn right. You can turn left. And you're not sure what to do. And the scripture, another proverb says this, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions, which us guys are not good at. Ask for directions. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path. You will find rest for your souls. That's emotional rest. That's stress-free. That's the quietness on steroids. That's learning to trust God with your time. You say, but... Pastor, you don't understand, I'm very busy. We're all busy, but we only have 24 hours. You need to decide, two handfuls or one. It's better to live at peace with one and margins and literally get more done. I wanna talk to you about not just giving the first of your week, and I'm preaching to the choir. You're here today. You're here today. I'm just reminding you that God wants to reward you for giving the first of your first of the week. Those of you on the dream team, some were here uh, just shortly after seven o'clock this morning and stay all the way through. Some are actually staying through this afternoon as the resurgent worship team is gonna be here utilizing our cameras and our sound system so that they can do services in the West Island of Montreal. Put your hand together for resurgent church, Pastor uh, uh, Andrew and Vanessa and our team that's gonna make that possible for them today. It's just amazing first of the week, and we know there's a blessing. I want to talk to you about your daily first, starting your day first, giving the first of your day to God. I want to challenge you with this thought, daily first 15. 15 minutes. Some of you go, oh, pastor, I, I give God an hour, the first hour of my day. God bless you. That's really good. I get sloppy, I, and when I get sloppy, uh, and I need to reprioritize, I start with first 15 and work my way up. And by the way, there's nothing spiritual but an hour. If you do an hour, that's amazing. God bless you. That's fantastic. I want to talk to those of us that 15 might be hard. 15 might be difficult, but you just grow that discipline. Here we go. First 15, five minutes of worship. Put a song on. 
Put your headphones in your ears and listen to a worship song. Download Maverick City or replay our Sunday. Whatever, whatever kind of just causes you to close your eyes and go, oh yes, Jesus, I love you this morning. I'm so glad that we're meeting here today. When I, before I start first 15, I, I, do, I do get a cup of coffee first. That's very holy. Jesus likes coffee. He loves coffee. And Jesus and I pretend that we're sitting and we're drinking our coffee together and having, having our time together. And I actually picture him in the room with me in my mind's eye. And I close my eyes and I begin to worship. And actually he is sitting in the room because in the praises of his people, there he is. And, and so I do that. One song can be about five minutes. And then I open up my, uh, um, I usually open up my app, but a few weeks ago, Christina came out and she goes, she, she, she gets up a little bit later than I do. And I had my paper Bible on my lap and I was actually reading and just a little emotional. It just, just was feeling so good. And the Lord's just talking to me. And, and Christina said, wow, you're reading your Bible this morning. I said, I try to read it more than just this morning. You're seeing my old Bible. And I didn't tell her the reason why is, I can sometimes get in a bad habit that if I use read off my phone, which I normally do, I can also start swiping, checking my emails, checking my messages. Anything wrong with that? No, but it's not first 15. And then I get disengaged and I'm already stressed. I'm already thinking about what I need to do that day. And I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And that is as I begin to read God's word and read like we're doing today, something that's gonna go with me for the day. And when that thing happens for you at work or for me in traffic or whatever, the spirit man's been fed and our spirit man responds, our spirit woman responds before our flesh does. Why? Because I spent first 15. Five minutes in prayer, thanking God, bring your, bring your request to him. As we come into January, this year we're calling it feasting, feasting in prayer. We're still gonna fast. God leads us to do that, but we're going to feast on the things of God. This doesn't have to be a downer time. It, it really is an uplifting time as we give him the first of our year. First of our day, first of our week, we're going to give God the first of our year. We do this every year, the first 21 days in January. Number two, live intentionally. Live intentionally. Live intentionally. So you're going to give the first, and then you have the rest of your day, the rest of your time. What do you do with it? What's in your house? Genesis says, as long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. The clock won't stop until the end of the age. Time is the constant. Be intentional how you use it. Proverbs says that sluggards or lazy people don't plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. So they want a garden full of food, but they didn't prep. Sometimes when I get up in the morning, and I do first 15, I don't cry, I don't feel it, I just did first 15. And just for whatever reason, I didn't get a lot out of it, the, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel didn't walk into the room and appear before me, lights didn't shine all over the place, I didn't sense anything supernatural, I just hung out with Jesus and drank my coffee and did first 15. I plowed, I plowed. It says here that the lazy person doesn't plow, I don't feel like it this morning. God, I'm laying in bed, the alarm goes off. And what I say is, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right there in a minute. I get up and then I prepare and I go, but sometimes it's just like I plowed. I just, I went through it. I got it done. And I don't mean get it done, get to the end. It's just, I didn't sense or feel anything. 
But I want to show you what you're doing in your life is by discipline you're plowing. So when the miracle season comes, when the harvest season comes, and not that we don't earn it or deserve it, but we've prepared for it. We're walking with the Lord in it. We're doing the things that God has talked about to keep the oil flowing, keep the flower going, keep the provision of God happening. It's not hard. It's really kind of simple. But we can't be lazy about it and go, I don't really feel like it. You say, well, if I miss a day, will something bad happen? No. <laughs> but if you keep going to the container of your life and using your time well, and just these simple priorities, is there a blessing in it? Yes, absolutely. There's a blessing. Teach us to number our days. Recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Because David needed to ask for help, and I need to ask for help, and you need to ask for help. How many know we need to ask for help when it comes to using our time? Come on, everybody. Like, this is for real, isn't it? Yeah. But we're going to be able to. Here's some thoughts just before we dismiss the service and go in a different direction. Every day, spend time in prayer and worship. Every day, spend some time in the Word. When I talk about mourning, for some, it is impossible. And so just give God your, start, start your first and another time slot, but give it to the Lord. Every day, spend time in the Word. Every day, love those that are closest to you. Every day, make a difference in someone else's life. Every day, take care of yourself. Last thought this morning, an intelligent person aims at wise action. But a fool starts off in many directions. That just means all of us can make a New Year's resolution list that's 20 things long and go in a million directions and get nothing done. We often do that every year. But as you would just ponder coming into a new year this morning in terms of time, an intelligent or a wise, wisdom is have a plan. Here's your simple plan today. Put God first in your time and be intentional with the rest. And write that down somewhere, schedule it out, and start first 15. We're gonna do a devotional exercise together in the new year. Make this easy, like the whole church will read. Uh, we're gonna read the same, just to get, get this going, first 15. Because I just think that it's not as hard as it sounds or looks, and if we do it together, we can encourage each other. We're gonna learn the benefits and the blessing of putting God first. Can I hear a good amen this morning? Amen. Yeah, come on. Put your hands together, thank the Lord for helping us in this, just like David asked for help. Just before we uh, go uh, leave for the day uh, in first service, I'd just like to ask in this room, and we do this every service, is there somebody here today that you've never made the decision to put your life in God's hands? And what I mean by that is, the Bible says we're all separated from God. We're talking about having a relationship, and Maybe what I described to you of having this moment hearing God and this moment of feeling his presence, and you go, I don't know that I've ever felt that. I mean, I know about God, but I don't know him that way. Well, the Bible says we're separated because of our sin. But Jesus took care of our sin by dying on the cross. And when we receive that, that gift of salvation from ourselves, from our sin, and we decide to give our life to the Lord by inviting him into our life, eternity, eternal life comes into our life. It doesn't start when we die. It starts the moment we say yes to God. And I, I wonder if there's somebody in the room today, you've never, you've never invited Jesus to come into your life. I would love to pray with you today and have you invite him into your life, change your life forever, like most of us in this room have done before. And if you're here, I just ask you to say yes to that by 
in a moment raising your hand. I'm just going to go five, four, three, two, and one. And when I get to one, just raise your hand so I can see it. And we're going to pray for you after we hoot and holler because we're so excited that you would do this today. Five, four, three, it is for you, two and one. Is there someone in the room today? Just by raising your hand, say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to invite Jesus in my life. Thank you. I see, I see your hand. Thank you for raising your hand. Be brave today. You're brave. It's awesome. Church, we know what to do. I would invite you to pray this prayer with us. Come on, make it real. Out of your heart today, something's about to happen. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me the way I am. Thank you for coming in my life. Forgive my sin. I want to spend every day with you. Amen. We believe you pray a simple prayer like that. Your life has changed forever. Come on, stand up today. Let's worship before we leave today. Oh